Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, we Kurt and I kicked around recording this last night. Yeah. Um, I think if I would have recorded last night, the... I, I tried to self-medicate in bourbon and crappy food yeah. yesterday. It, it was working together in my bloodstream and stomach at about 9 o'clock last night and didn't really help too much. If we would have recorded last night, I'm going to sound like an angry old man shouting at the clouds today. It, I would have been a crazy old man shouting at yeah. the clouds last night. Nothing could have helped me last night. Yeah. I went to bed pretty early. By the time the football the was sweet over, release I was, of sleep. It's I the only done. thing. Yeah, I was done, man. Yeah, as soon as that Penn State Ohio That's State it. game ended, I'm, I'm done. I I actually fell asleep for about an hour and a half after the Penn State Ohio State game was over, and then freaking woke back up, which is the worst. And then tried watching a movie, and then fell back asleep. Yeah. Um. So we often talk about how after losses, recording this podcast is actually cathartic. Yeah, it can be. It usually is. Usually got, is. Usually is. Yeah. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need strong doses of catharticism. I don't know if that's how you say it from you because I, I don't. I don't know if it's gonna do the trick today. I'm pretty down right now too. Um, so I looked it up. We started recording before the 2018 football season. Yes, we did. Uh, so this is the 11th loss that I've recorded or 11th podcast I've recorded after 11 losses from Iowa. Um, I think I, I chalked that up in the first year. <laughs> So I don't mean to I don't mean to whine to you because obviously I don't have the right. Um, but I'll, I'm going to ask you to 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 self uh, uh, not self because that would be me just to regulate you in some yeah, way. Yeah, or, or yeah, you tell me. But like I feel to, like to rein you in when needed. no, 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 that's not it. I'm, I'm doing a, um, I can't I can't think today either. But you you, you tell me how if what I'm saying is true or not. Oh, I don't okay. Know what the word is for, okay. But, so I'm, after I'm, the, I'm fact checking you. Fact checking, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Um, after the last ten losses, I feel like I've typically rebounded pretty well by the time we've recorded the podcast. Is that fair to say? Oh uh, yeah, by the time you record the podcast, and certainly by the time the next week rolls around okay. and doing the predictions yeah. for the next. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I think I'm I'm struggling today. We'll see how this comes off. Well, um, and, I mean, this is not the low point for me. To be honest, I hit that low point the first season. The, the Maryland game, I remember it distinctively. This isn't my low point, but it's a pretty low point, and it's not. I mean, we'll get into it. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, but uh, it's not good because I mean, right now, bless your soul. If anybody from the fan bases of Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Nebraska, I would say, are the pretty much lowest ones. Maybe Penn State as well. Northwestern. That's Northwestern's not. They're not, not feeling that's great. That's not pretty. No, they're not feeling great. So bless your soul for any one of those fan bases that are listening. I hope we help in some way. Probably the vegan part of this podcast is not it. But long story short is like um, I've had a couple DMs with followers of the podcast. Um, and basically what I was reaching out for is w- where is that line between letting your feelings out a little bit, sometimes with your friends you know, if you're talking on the phone or texting and then obviously social media, which for for us is pretty much Twitter. We're fans. I believe we have the right to, to be upset. 
Well, I'll start by saying the fans are why all of this is here. So, yes, we we count in this equation. And, yeah, when your team, like if something looks like a pile of duty and it smells like a pile of duty, you it's okay to call it a pile of duty. That is a great way of putting it. That that I was going to go down that path, but that you, you put a funny twist on exactly what I'm getting at. I want to get a shout out again to one at Cornhusker one. This was a tweet he put out last night. We critique because we care. Never let someone tell you that you aren't a true fan because you criticize. No, I agree. And and I guess the other thing is from as long as you don't get personal, like there you go. like all these players, they're trying. You know, they're they're they 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 work. They put in extra hours. I mean, they're every hour of their week is basically taken up by either school or practice in some way. So you gotta. Just take take the personal part out of it as you know? best you can. Yes, yeah, best like, you can. I, I, there for the is, players, not necessarily the coaches. Not but the for the coaches. players. For the players, I mean, I mean, I think we do as good a good job as we can on this podcast. I try to do as good a job as I can on Twitter. I'm not always perfect on not singling out a single player. Yeah, uh, I, I will very lightly try to hide it by just saying his number, you know, because I just don't I want mean, to if attack. They do something but, knuckleheady. Then it's okay just to point that out, but I just or, or like habitual back, habitual knuckleheadedness, right? But like just like a poor play or a poor game or something like that, someone has. I don't think it's fair to necessarily bag on a, a I, player. I, I, I do think that's the line you go over is when you're when you are continually attacking a single player. I, I, yeah, I, I think there's a line in there, but at the same time, these are eighteen to twenty three year old young men. They can now get paid for what they're yeah, doing that's a now. good point it's a little bit it, different it has now. kind of it's kind of that's gotten blurred true. a little bit the line sure. um and, and i'm not trying to you know pat myself on the back but I, I i was in a division one football program like i feel like it gives me a little bit of of understanding that these dudes know what they're doing and you should by the way you take advantage of the good things about being a, 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 yeah. a player at that level sure it was something that still to this day I can put on my resume. People want to ask me about it, and and I can tell you for 100% about 15 years ago, it helped get me a job because the the high up guy was actually a played football at Texas A&M. Oh, and me and him just talked football for 45 minutes instead well, of the sure. interview, and then he hired me. Right. Okay. So if you're gonna take advantage of the good things, I'm sorry, but this is life. The negative things are just gonna come along with it. Yeah. That's that's part of the deal. Um, I've hit my breaking point with one part of of the Iowa football okay. program, which we're obviously going to get into. I'll wait till we break down the game. But like, anyways, these are. It's not just me and some Iowa fans. It, it seems to be a lot of it on Twitter. Another thing I'll throw out too. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I put out a tweet predicting what I thought the rest of the year would yeah, finish yeah, 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 sure. for the. Got all kinds of replies, and and I mean, I predicted Michigan to go twelve and zero and okay. win the Big Ten championship. Yep, um, it lasted all of about forty eight hours, and Michigan lost. So Sparty and Ohio State fans have just mercifully attacked me. Uh, the only thing I've asked is you're going to have to at least give me a follow before sure. I answer back. Like if you're going to tear me up, fair game. I'm an adult. I put it out there. At least give me a follow for the most part. It's actually been pretty fun, you know, but some of the Ohio state and Michigan state fans have been pretty creative. Just absolutely taking me to um, task, but 
Well, you know, sometimes the way to get more followers is to be wrong. And I didn't, I did, and everybody keeps, I've, I've gotten multiple people like, did you just do that to throw a rock at the Ohio State fan base? I swear to God, I did not. I I debated on two teams, but they were both at the top. I was either going to put Ohio State or Michigan at the top, okay. and I just besmirched Michigan State. Yes, I, did. I will apologize again once we break down that game. And then I debated between Iowa and Minnesota at the top of the Big Ten West. I okay. swear to God, I had two different versions. One was almost the exact opposite. But I put the one out there because I thought that's what it I would see, and I got attacked. I'm just saying, trying to bring that up in the, in the fact that I deserve to get attacked once I put myself out sure. there. That's part of the deal. If you can't stay, stand the heat, don't get in the kitchen. I should put my preseason predictions out there because i would get attacked by michigan so i would get attacked by michigan state we both would i would get attacked by maryland but you know you know what you you don't see 99.99 percent of the time when you get attacked their predictions because they've never never done it and and everybody looks stupid by the time it's done but last thing and then we'll move on to the games is like i me and you have talked about it on the pod again and bring it up but like fans matter yes okay the if the fans are unhappy, I'm not saying you run your entire football program by what the fans say, but if you start losing the fans, right, that is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And and if and if other fans, this is the funny thing, act like it's not, they're kind of part of the problem as well. Because I agree. we need to be the ones at the games. You, you can't expect fans to be positive all the time. Show up no matter what happens on the field, and how dare you complain if things don't go wrong. What part of the universe or any other part in the business world or your kids going to school, whatever, when do you ever run into a situation that anytime something negative comes back, you're shunned? That's that's not reality. That's not the world we live in. Well, it has to be a meritocracy to some degree, and I can use Illinois as a great example. They don't get a lot of fans, and they shouldn't get a lot of fans because they've been consistently putting a crappy product on the field. Why would I buy a, a, an, a perennially crappy product? Give me a better product, and then I'll buy it. And, and again, 100%. Again, I know that applies more to professional organizations, okay, what you just said. But to act like it should not apply at all, to college football programs just because they're younger men playing the sport. I, I, it should be lessened, so I'm kind of talking to it's two lessened, sides of my mouth. But, but, the, but to act like none of that exists in this sport. That's but the administrators comical. are not young men. Right. The coaches, coaches are not young men. They're all making good money. So they they, they should be criticized when it's Agreed. But even then, and I want to say this, getting personal with a coach. Yeah, I don't. Also, like, you know, I've got guys that I've got. There's dudes that I know that played football at Iowa, that older brother played football, that that are in the coaching, right? They have told me stories about walking into bars, you know, or restaurant to pick up a to-go order the the day of a game and getting lambasted. Don't be that guy. No, don't be that guy. That's just... Yeah. That's just I. That's just silly, you yeah. know. They're trying their best to, I guess, but we probably <clears throat> talked about this enough. All right. And the funny thing is, moving. We'll talk about it a little bit more here. Okay. So we had this was week nine of the uh, Big Ten season. Seven games. All fourteen teams were in action. All these took place yesterday on Saturday, October thirtieth. Today is Sunday, October thirty first, mm. and uh, we got two 
scary games to go over right Oof, from the get-go. Yeah, At least we rip the Band-Aid off quick here. Yeah. Okay. First game up, Wisconsin 27, Iowa 7. Badgers with 270 yards of total offense. Oh, my gosh, only 270, huh? What a great day. Iowa with 156 <laughs> yards of total offense. I put a tweet. There was so many Iowa fans, bless their heart, the two to three days leading up to the game that were just so positive about how they thought the Iowa offense was going to look uh-huh. heading into this game. And every time I just would say, can you break it down to me? How do you think <laughs> this is going to look like a great offensive game from the Iowa Hawkeyes against that Wisconsin defense? And none of them can really give me an answer other than, well, they're coming off an idle week. I think they're going to have a wrinkle or two. The only wrinkle that was getting put in was on the Iowa football helmets from the Badger defenders tackling them pretty much by the line of scrimmage or behind it most of the game. I mean, I, yeah, I think we should start with talking about Wisconsin's defense, which, which almost seems like it's getting better and gaining momentum as the season goes on and becoming more opportunistic with those three turnovers that they caused. I, they were smothering. I, and and by the way, 156 yards, that's their their season low output, I'm pretty sure. But didn't they also have a second game with under 200 yards total? Um. I think they did. As they far like as their their output, Wisconsin's w- offensive output. No, 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 I'm talking about Iowa's offense. Purdue uh, has been under there 200 is, there yards is a twice. Team, I'm there is a sure. team that had less than 100 yards against Wisconsin. I, I, it I might have been. No, not Purdue. I think Purdue had more. I can't remember who it was, but they absolutely shut somebody down. It was ECU. They shut ECU. ECU had less than 100 yards in that game, I believe. Eastern Michigan. E- EMU, sorry. Um, anyways, long story short, Wisconsin's defense is freaking incredible. Um, Leo Chanel, great. Um, again, turnovers, great. Now, I will say this, and I'm probably going to sound a little bit like an Iowa fan here. As far as forced turnovers, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin literally just dropped the football on the goal line, and the punt returner literally just let it go off his chest. I don't know yeah, if those are forced turnovers. Yeah, so good much. point. Now, the other one was, but um, th- the fact of the matter is uh, I, I every time – I am, you know, uh, if I'm gambling on Wisconsin, if I'm watching Wisconsin play in a bowl game, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm actually cheering for the success of Wisconsin football, which isn't very often, okay? But when I do, I just always think to myself, oh, I'll be fine. Why? Because of that Wisconsin defense. Like, it, it, Georgia's defense is incredible. It deserves all the praise that it's getting. But when people talk about the best defenses in the country, if they don't bring up Wisconsin immediately after Georgia, yeah. they're just not watching enough football. No, they're That's not. That's all there is to it. But then also, if you flip it over to the offensive side, this is like a different team ever since they decided to commit to Braylon Allen at the running back position. It's like their offensive line has kind of fallen into place. The running game is is looking great. 166 rushing yards against a really good Iowa defense. And Graham Mertz, you know, he didn't have a great game. But I will say, there's times he he throws over the middle of the field, right? Hardest place to throw because that's where that's where it's almost the only throw he feels comfortable with. Yes, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, and then so then you see that and you're like, well, this is this is a guy with the tools. He could be a great quarterback, but then you know he ends up 11 to 22 for only 4.7. And and I don't know exactly what the stats were, but I think he was like eight of his first nine. Right. He started out. And then I think he completed two or three passes the rest of the game. I think some of that would be Phil Parker and the Iowa defense kind of adjusting to what they were doing a little bit. But at that point, I mean, 
when it was seven nothing, uh, Reddit college football was already joking. Well, this game's over. You sure. Know? Oh yeah, it's insurmountable. Now, and 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 I, now the funny thing is, is I didn't think that at seven, but I did it ten nothing. Sure. Because it was deeper into the game. Right. At that point. With that being said, it was twenty to nothing at halftime. Iowa came out and had a little bit of pop, uh, forced a short field, scored a touchdown. It was twenty to seven. Got uh, Wisconsin to punt. By the way, total punts in the game. Oh yeah, fourteen. So it went over. So twelve yeah, and a half 12 and is half. what was set. Seven for each team. Fourteen punts. Yeah, and I was gonna say like I thought about that more after the cast. And I would have adjusted it down based on what you were talking. You were talking about, you know, uh, ball control offenses, so it, 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 you know, less possessions per team. So that, that it's like an okay, but I wouldn't go a lot lower. I'd probably go eleven and a half instead of twelve and a half. But over, 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 over. So punts over, but total score under under, so under again, the thirty six and a half. So the last three weeks. Our lowest total has, has hit. hit twice. Two uh, out of three weeks yeah. at the under. Has Just hit. blind betting the unders would be pretty good this week, except for well, actually no. One uh, this week the, there are some overs. The, I'm, I'm talking for the whole year. For the whole year has been great, but this is actually the week yeah. where that started to flip. Yep, we actually had four overs to three unders this week. Yep, only four to three, but yeah, that might be. We should count that. It might be the first time we've had more overs than under this. I week think it is in a week, but um, but the point I'm trying to get to is it was twenty. To seven, Iowa forced another Wisconsin punt. They had the ball back midfield again. Okay, so they get to third and two or three. I'm gonna say fullback dive to Monty Potomom. I love me some Monty Potomom. I get it, but on fourth and one again, um, they try the fullback dive again and they don't get it. And and like the announcer calling the game, I want to call him Kingsbury, who is the quarterback uh, who the uh, who called Cliff the game. Cliff Kingsbury? No, he was, yeah. no, I'm, that's what I want to call sure. him. Who's the, who's the guy that called? I don't know. Oh, I don't Jesus, remember. Why can't I think of it? Oh, my God. Um, and uh, um, the guy that stopped out, that, that went out of the back of the end zone when he tried to throw the football. In the oh, NFL. Dan Orlovsky. Orlovsky, thank you very much. <laughs> Dan Orlovsky's the one who called okay. the game. Would have drove me nuts if, I, if we couldn't figure that From out. From UConn. Yeah, so um, he was having a conniption fit, you know, like watching this game. And But he kept saying, well, he kept saying in this game, and it's going to play into what I'm going to say nice or uh, next very nicely, that he's like, I don't know why I was doing this. Why is Iowa doing it? They're well, running right into the teeth of this. That's what I was why, why are they doing say. this? Why are they? That was the and exact phrase I was going to use. They're, they're running right into the teeth yeah. of what Wisconsin does absolutely best. And so Iowa doesn't get that play. You could feel right at that point that the game was over. And it like they needed to get that to get it to sure. at least 20 to 10. But let's be honest, it needed to be 20 to 14 after that drive. But they couldn't get there. Why? Because the Iowa offense is so inept. I mean, it's bad, man. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, I mean, I'm looking down the stats just trying to find anybody. You who can't. I, you can't. No, there is nobody. Keegan Johnson, who you called out and we both called out on the last podcast, he is the guy that is making plays. You can just tell when he gets the ball in his hand, he's the best playmaker. So what does Brian Ferentz do? Again, like. Just doesn't give him the ball. I mean, the, the rushing totals for Iowa, 30 carries for 28 yards. That's embarrassing. A .8 yard average. So here's the deal. This is uh, part the, of that. And, and and okay, this is where the fight is on Iowa Twitter right now. So this is the second time. This is what I want you to evaluate me. And that's what okay. I was looking for before. Okay. Do am I the fire the offensive coordinator, play the backup quarterback guy? No, okay, no, thank definitely you. not. I was really hoping you would very quickly. Right. I have, I have almost 
never been that guy. I have now done it. There's t- twice in my life that okay. I've done it. And I was damn right the first time, which was a long time ago. He's an adult now. Jake Christensen was one of the worst quarterbacks. In, <laughs> right? It, what, from from, from uh, Illinois. Yep. From Illinois. Yeah. From, uh, what was the name of the town? Anyways, so yeah. long time ago, Lamont. like 15 years ago. Lamont, 15 years Illinois. ago, Jake Christensen was awful. It was time for a change. There were people back then saying, if you put a different quarterback in, it's not going to make any difference. No, the second quarterback came in and he was much better. Okay. So that, that is now God bless number seven for Iowa. Okay. It's not necessarily his fault. Okay. I do not think he's being put in the best situation because of the Iowa offensive line. Okay. Yeah. What I find interesting is is that people are like shying away from crapping on number seven, but they can crap all over the offensive line. Isn't the offensive line made up of young student athletes themselves? So yeah. aren't you just trading crapping on one person for crapping on five? I mean, their line's bad and it got exposed yesterday. With that being said, okay. There's a lot of action in the backfield. A lot of action in the backfield. Certainly Tyler Goodson. There's times where I wish he could get up in the hole quicker, um, maybe carry a guy for a yard or two to stop the negative plays from happening so much, but mostly it is on the old line. But here's what I, I feel like I see a lot, Kurt. I, I feel like I watch a lot of football, and you tell me if I'm just being crazy here, okay? What I see is a lot of times where college offensive coordinators have a play design that they have in mind that they want to run. Yeah. You know, it's down in distance. They think what the defense sure. are going to look. Come out, guess what? It was a different defense than what they thought. Thought it was a cover two, it's cover three, man zone, whatever, okay? The, the play breaks down. Pretty quickly. The first yep. in, the first option, second option. So you know what I see quarterbacks do a lot? They improvise. Sometimes they improvise. Check down, and second read. Sometimes they get maybe, out of the pocket. Maybe scramble a little bit. And, move, and, move and they get two yards. Yep. As opposed to taking a four-yard sack, okay? Our guy just can't do that. And and he no. can't do it. It's, it's even more exposed when it's behind this whole line. And, and and don't get me wrong, because I'm going to talk out of two sides of my mouth again. The old line is part of the problem. Don't get me wrong. Like I joked on Twitter, the offensive line uh, is having issues uh, uh, pass protecting. But the problem is, is the we can't get into more manageable down and distances because of the offensive line. Yeah. Like that is the conundrum going on right now, mostly from the tackles. But the So, so are you calling for Alex Padilla? Yes. Okay. And it's, it's Padilla time. Padilla time. And and do do I think Padilla is going to go in? Boom, Indianapolis. No, I'm not that stupid. But we need a mobile. You quarterback. need a more mobile quarterback. And, right and now. the other thing, and, and and Tanner Morgan. Okay, certainly not Michael Vick, but he did a read option yesterday. That was beautiful. 18 it? yard touchdown, which I've always want, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I've right. always wondered why he doesn't pull it more once, often. Just you and once. Gopher, you and Gopher fans would say the same thing, and then. He and I understand this was against a Wisconsin defense that was playing back and wasn't attacking nearly as much. But when Padilla got in at the end of the game, he made one play where he got away from the rush and he sure. made a throw. It, like we can't, we just don't have that option. And then what I would say is I'm being hard and critiquing the Iowa offense, because I think ultimately that's what would be good for the Iowa football play. Like sure. an improvement there right well, now, and, there's and too right now. There is too much pressure on Brian Ferentz as a play caller, because when you, when you have a statue of a quarterback behind an offensive line like that, sure. and you get put in second and 14, you, it, dude, 
any offense would come to a screeching halt. Iowa's even more so. Help yourself. Help yourself. Right. And, and here's the thing. Coaches, football coaches, tend to be, would you say they tend to be eh, more open to like um, trying new things? Or are they usually just more like stick to what they know, stick to what they like? They're pretty bullheaded, right? Extremely. Sometimes they we got a couple more coaches that we can break down. Sometimes like that. they need to hear this stuff I, from uh, the fans. Thank you very much. And sometimes the heat. Uh, I'm not going to call out who the Iowa um, uh, beat writer is, if we still call him that these days. But he did ask Kirk Ferentz about, you know, do you know how much heat and discourse there sure. is towards? You're the play caller, the offensive play caller yeah. right now. It's time to start getting these questions asked because there needs to be pressure applied. And another thing that I also want to kind of work into this as far as fan bases, uh, Iowa fans get made fun of mostly by one of the fan bases to the west of the state of Iowa, that Iowa is perfectly, Iowa fans are perfectly okay with eight and four. No, we're not. We, especially starting the year out six and oh. Yeah. We want to get to Indianapolis. We Correct. feel like we should have gotten in Indianapolis at least once since 2015. There was an opportunity here, you know, after the Penn State game to get to Indianapolis. If you, if Iowa would have went 11 and one, they were pretty much guaranteed a spot to go to Indianapolis. We're upset right now okay, because so we care so much about the football program. What's the solution to the? Brian Ferentz problem. Do we just? I mean, do we take the play calling away from him? And if we do, who do we give it to? Ken O'Keefe, who is Ken O'Keefe. He's the quarterback coach. Okay. He used to be the offensive play caller and offensive coordinator at Iowa. He hmm. came. Kirk brought him in to help support. So I put out a tweet yesterday. Alex Padilla, quarterback, KOK, which is what Iowa lovingly fans lovingly call Ken O'Keefe. This is the way, you know, with the uh, with, with with the uh, um, oh yeah, the Boba yeah. Fett, uh, GIF, yeah. uh, Mandalorian to be specific, but Mando. Anyways, and, and this is this is real deep, okay? And I, I know we got to move on, but here's my take: the offense can't look worse than it does right now. It's, and, and I it's understand Pur Purdue's got a nice defense. Wisconsin's got an incredible defense. This offense has mostly looked bad all year long. It's looked bad all year long, and I don't care how good the defense is. 156 yards is just inexcusable. And, you know, you don't have the pieces right now on offense, so that's a big part of it. But a good offensive coordinator finds a way to move the ball. Thank you. So my guess is if you were to sit down with an experienced, talented offensive coordinator, you know, a guy like in his 50s or whatever that's been doing it for a while – Somewhere around page 18, he would have a page that said, when your running attack isn't working, yeah. things that you can do to help your offensive line out, sure. getting the ball out quicker, route combos. It is my opinion that BFs, he's got a five-page offensive coordinator manual, and all five of those pages or chapters, maybe I should say, they all work around the premise that your running game is doing great. Right now, because everybody, I would think most offensive coordinators look pretty good when their offensive when their running game is clicking. When I was running game is not clicking, it's done. Right now, BF's playbook looks like BS. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, with that being said, I mean this Wisconsin deserved to win this game. They they were the better team right from the get go. So no I doubt. Just want to say that. Um, and by the way, they look like maybe they're, they're starting to look like Wisconsin. Nah, absolutely. Now they're they're. Passing attack is still not there. No. At some point, Iowa had the ability with their back seven to take away the tight end, 
Jake Ferguson, once that happens, it's pretty much Danny Davis. And if you have got a cornerback that can essentially lock down Danny Davis and then you can muck it up in the middle so that they can't get the ball, that brings the passing attack. But right now, Braylon Allen, uh, 20 carries, 140 yards. Che Louis, decent day, 19 carries, 48 yards. They're getting, the, they're getting it done rushing the ball enough with that defense. That's all it takes. With that being said, they rushed the ball 48 times to get 166 yards. That's only a 3.6 yard average. Right. So, I mean, it, well, I mean, it's it's a good defense. defense. defense, We know that, but all right. With the win, Wisconsin moves to five and three overall three and two in the big 10 with the lost. Iowa drops to six and two overall three and two in the big 10 as well. Next game up. All right, here we go. Rutgers 20, Illinois 14, the Scarlet Knights with 388 yards of total offense to the Illini's 297. I'm going to start by saying, this is good news here. A little good news. This was my Amador double barrel lock of the week. The under of the total. This, this was game. under the entire and day. It, and it, hit, it was under the entire day. Hit It hit big time. It not only did it hit, if you had showed me Brandon Peters' stat line, before the game, I would have said, oh, I'm over. probably going to go over. 14 of 19, 190 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he was he was great. He it was good. A, he was mostly good. It was his and best. And he, he got his hand hit on a helmet yeah. early in the game. Like, well, there it is. Brandon's out. But he's stuck in there. And maybe maybe that's one of those deals where he's the type of guy getting hit like that almost makes him focus down early. I don't By know. the way, I, so I want to talk about records. <laughs> did you see the gift that I put out when that happened? I right? did not. Oh, my gosh. You got to go back and look okay. because it was um, Kevin Hart. When he like he's smiling, he's all happy, and then he like goes, yeah, he, yeah, like, yeah his yeah. face just changes, yeah, and he's yeah. horrified, and he yeah. says, "What the bleep?" Yeah, that's that was Rutgers fans when they saw who came in the game to take over for Brandon Peters. It was Isaiah Williams who ran for two hundred yards on him last year. Right, don't want to see that again. That got a little attention from the Rutgers fan base, I but no, that. I want to talk about Rutgers first because this Rutgers team flies in from Jersey, and they right. showed that they wanted it more than Illinois in their own house. Greg Schiano. Huge stones on some of those fourth down calls. Not only fourth down, they were not settling. If it was third and nine, if it was third and 15, they weren't just going to get a little chunky yards and then punt. They wanted the first down. They were going for it, and they were getting it. The thing that really impressed me the most about what Rutgers did, I didn't think this was going to happen at all, which is why I thought Illinois was going to win the game. They won on both lines of scrimmage, on both sides of the ball. They were the better team in the trenches than Illinois was. In to fact, the point where, I mean, Chase Brown, 18 carries for only 67 yards. That's a 3.7-yard average. That's the best anybody's done on Chase Brown in quite some time. That's the same guy that set the the single the opponent rushing record in Beaver Stadium last week. Yeah, the uh, transitive property not traveling in the last couple of weeks here in the Big Ten is incredible. I'm going to point out Jason Ron on, on the Twitter is a line-eye fan. He used he used the word he summed it up perfectly. Illinois at home had a team flying from the East Coast and we got bullied by them. That's weird. That's exactly what happened. We got bullied. Gavin Wimsett comes in the 18 year old freshman, just turned 18, had a huge fourth down conversion there, throwing the ball. Noah Vedro was dinged up the whole game. Kept coming back in the game, and he he didn't have a great game, but it was a gritty performance by Noah Vedro. The Rutgers quarterbacks, because there was three of them that threw a pass in this game, 13 of 27 for 158 yards, no touchdowns, but no picks. I mean, nothing to write home about, but for the most part, got done what they need to get done. And the other thing I would talk about, too, 
the the Rutgers rushing attack. Like if you would have shown me these stats and said which team had this, I would have one hundred percent said Illinois. But Rutgers rushing attack, fifty one carries, two hundred and 30 yards, a 4.5-yard average. We've been asking all year long on this pod, when is Isaiah Pacheco going to get going? 21 carries, 91 yards. And then shout out to shout out as well to Kyle Manangai. Is yep. that how I said it? Manangai. Yeah. Manangai. It's kind of a fun one. He's had a good year. Yeah, no, he's, he's looked good, but I, this is the best game of the year, I'm pretty sure. 15 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. I'll tell you this. Greg Schiano is never going to shy away from going for a, the the win. He does and sending to, a message to his team. He does try to win the game as opposed to not lose. And, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a funny statement, but but it doesn't always apply. No, I know, but it's he. I, I got to give him credit for that. And fourth down efficiency, three of three. They were on on fourth down. I love looking at first downs because I feel like it it just shows you how consistent your offense plays like did we just break a few big plays or do we actually move the ball really well? 23 first downs to 10 first downs they i mean it was a good it, did, it was a good game plan it was a good game plan and even though it was a one score game it didn't like illinois was still in the game at the end they kind of got dominated by Rutgers. yeah i mean there were times where i felt like illinois was gonna wake up and just be the better team um for the most part i felt like illinois's Defense still looked pretty good, yeah. But they just never could put enough together, and they weren't coming up with the big plays. the The Rutgers offense was coming up with the big plays when they needed them. Um, and since since we're bashing people, I'm going to bash right now. I'm going to bash the offensive corner, and I think you would agree. I'm not that guy. That's I, like no, no. It's not who I am, and I'm not going to bash his play calling. Okay, I will a little bit on that last drive, the last set of downs that Illinois had. They brought in a running back who did not carry the ball all game. They sat Chase Brown on the bench. They sat Josh McCray on the bench. They sat uh, Reggie Love on the bench. They said they could have had Chase Hayden come out there. I mean, these are all running backs that have power in their game. They needed to grind out yards. They gave it to a guy that hadn't touched the ball all game three times in a row. He's not a grinder. He's a speed back. He needs a big hole, and he's a home run guy. Right. And he got nine yards, and then they bring Chase Brown back in to go to go for it on fourth and one foot. And here's where I will criticize: Why not just sneak the ball? Yeah, I don't understand. You, you see that a lot. I mean, I'm I'm not against the play that they called. It, it actually was a pretty solid play they called. Everyone going right, they pitch it to the left. And and by the way, Chase Brown was one on one. A running back should win that. Agree. And he did not. He got tackled by that cornerback. It was a great tackle. So I'm not saying it's a bad play call. I just would have gone for a QB sneak. I think he would have gotten it. But I just don't understand the personnel decision that running back on that last play. It made no sense to me. Like I said, that seems to be going around in college and, football. And but. somebody's like, well, I think uh, both McCray and Brown were injured. Brown came in on the fourth down. So that's what do you mean true. he was injured? Right. I want a, I want an explanation as to why they put that running back into the game. Weird. Especially if it's the only three carries of the game, he got first down, second down, third down, and then they give it to Chase Brown, who gets tackled. It's weird. It's just weird when, and again, I, I've been there, but obviously not a part of the decision making process on the sidelines. I, I there's times where I just would, right after the game's over, pump an OC full of truth serum and say, "What was you thinking? What 
what would you say you, you do, do here? And, and then this is a huge opportunity. I know Illinois is not making a bowl game, but you still had winnable games on the schedule. You needed to win this to keep the momentum going, to help recruiting out, and you just big a blue, you blew a big opportunity. At home. At home. At, yep. I mean, I know <laughs> Rutgers was favored by one point in this game, and Vegas was right. They ended up being right. I swear, I looked at this game on paper. I tried to come up with a scenario of Illinois losing. I you couldn't. typically do. I, I, I'm usually good at <laughs> That's that. That's your hobby. I, I tried, and I couldn't find it. I just yeah. saw too many advantages. To me, this the line was wrong, even though it ended up being right. I get it. I still don't think that was a good line. And I and, and it's, there's no excuse to Illinois losing this game. Uh, Hayden Fry, my coach for the first three seasons at Iowa, he used to say, man, you got want to. You got want to lift weights. The team that had the most want to it was Rutgers I mean it was Rutgers I, I felt like it was a kind of a poor effort yes I get that the, they're coming off a huge win sometimes that happens you have a letdown Bielma talked about it specifically before the game how he prepped his team for to not have a letdown they had a letdown with the win Rutgers moves to four and four overall one and four in the Big Ten at four and four with games versus Indiana Maryland Penn State they they can make a bowl. They they got, they got a shot at making a bowl. I mean that that's why they had the yomp to. Yep, they had the yomp to. With the loss, Illinois falls to three and six overall, two and four in the Big Ten. Next game up, Maryland thirty eight, Indiana thirty five. Yikes! Terps with four hundred and ninety eight yards of total offense to the Hoosiers four hundred and forty six yards. First thing I'd like to say, so I lost my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Uh, so I, I was, yeah, the under, I, I had the under here. I think pretty much ever in the world would expect the shoot. I don't know what you're thinking. Oh, okay. It's your, okay. You're being <laughs> facetious. I was like, what? Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm was... six and I'm six and three now on my amateur double barrel lock of the week. Okay. okay. Which is still pretty, pretty good. good. You can build, you, you can build a nice home in Vegas yeah. by going like that. Six and two. I was so four double barrel locks in the week I had in a row coming into this. Oh, I wow. kept saying to myself, Seven and two. If I can get to seven and two, I mean, I'm pretty much guaranteed a good, sure. you know, record from here on out. Do you think I ever heard from anybody on Twitter or text messages on that four game winning streak? Oh no. Did I hear from people after I lost this one? Oh yes, you did. Nonstop. Um, anyways, where the hell hey, did that come from? What was my love for my lock of the week? I, I haven't put the tweet out yet. Uh, Juan just got to me late last night. I usually put it out on. I'll tag you this time so that you see Please. it. By the way. You need to send Juan your pick so he doesn't have to scroll. Oh, That's right. all you got to do. Just DM his picks. That's all. Well, all, then I might as well just post him. The thing is, you don't have to post him, but just get him to Juan. Help well, the guy if out. I'm getting him to Juan, why don't I just post him? It's up to you. All you got to do is write him out. I, you have him written down on a little piece of paper right in front of you there. I know, but then I have to make the tweet. And you it's a lot of spaces. The, and you don't have to make the tweet. It's a lot of spaces and it's a lot of enters and all that okay. stuff. Okay. Hold okay, on. Man. Hold yeah. on. It's more you need than, some Werther's Originals? I, I could go find some Werther's Originals for you. Yeah, more, than that, more than that, as a listener, if you want to know my picks, listen to the damn podcast. Well, and and Juan does, but you know sometimes it's hard to write down if he's right, gotten Juan, I'm He try makes to, a spreadsheet. I mean, okay, help you back out. to this game. I'm going to start with Indiana here. I know I know they lost the game. All I have heard all year long was that the play calling and the offensive coordinator, which I definitely agree. Uh, excuse me. The play calling and the offensive line is what I was trying to say. Yes. Of Indiana has been putrid, awful, horrible. Yes, it has. I'm not disagreeing with that. With that being said, we've had a banged up 
Penix. Yes. A banged up Tuttle for the most part or oh, yeah. ineffective. In comes freshman Donovan McCauley. Donovan McCauley. I mean, this guy is the future here. So I don't see Hoosier Twitter being quite as upset, even though they lost the game. Much better if they would have pulled this out. But they got a glimpse of the future and look Looks what happened to the Hoosier offense. So he went 14 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns. So he starts throw, pitching the ball around. And no picks. And no picks. He starts pitching the ball around. Guess what happens with the rushing attack? Stephen Carr, 21 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Isn't it amazing how when one aspect of your offense is good, the other one tends to get better? And what changed? Did the offensive line have a wholesale change? Not that I'm aware of. No, I don't Pretty think sure so. they still have the same offensive coordinator. That quarterback going in, a little bit more mobility, a well, little bit... A little bit of belly to, a better ability to improvise. Now, don't get me wrong. This defense is struggling to begin with and hasn't seen him. So that, that plays, yeah, into, that plays it. into it. But still, playmaking ability from your quarterback, go figure, it helps an offense. Well, and the other thing I feel like it did is it woke up. I mean, Peyton Hendershot's been having a good year. But yes. boy, he had a freaking amazing he game. Looked, he looked incredible. And Ty Freifogel, who's been sleeping all year, suddenly woke up. Shocking. Now, it's against a, a Maryland defense that, I mean, f- there are times where they wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. I mean, it has not it has not looked good at times. So we'll see, we'll see a little bit more. But I tell you what did look good for Maryland: Tolia Tonga Viola, twenty six of forty, four hundred and nineteen yards, two touchdowns, no picks. <sighs> There's a little bit of feast and famine with Tulia. He, well, there's feast I think and famine he needs there. to get into a rhythm as well. But once he's in that rhythm, he stayed in it. There's feast and famine there, but I think there's also I'm I've just lost so much confidence in this Hoosier defense. There's feast apart. and famine there, and it's been more famine lately than feast for their defense. When I, I when I said on the last pod that I still had faith in the Hoosier defense, you scoffed. At me, I believe yeah. there was some scoffing. There was a little scoffing. Your scoffing was correct here. My, my scoffing I, I was thought correct. there was still just that pride. I mean, this is this is Tommy A's baby. Yeah, I know the defense, but and it I, wasn't on Saturday. No, and it's you know I I love Mike McFadden. I always feel like well if McFadden's out there and he's healthy. At least you got that. But it just uh, something something's off overall. And I don't I, they're banged up at the cornerback. They're position. definitely that's, banged up in the that's secondary. part of it. Uh, Locks was lipping his big old chops to go after that beat up secondary. And he did it. He did it well. Yeah. And they were, I mean, okay, really close game, but Maryland was up basically the whole game. Yep. Here. And all IU was doing was just trying to keep, keep up. up. They basically the passing attack. Yep. It's a passing attack. But yeah, Maryland, I thought mostly controlled this game, which is crazy considering the fact that they rushed the ball 46 times for 79 yards, a 1.7-yard average. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. No. But but, but Locks doesn't care. Yeah. Um, He's kind of like Brom. Like, I don't care. I, yeah, I, now I we'll talk throw- on that later because Brom, I think, got the memo here a little bit well, yeah, that he, he needs to have a rushing attack. Yes, but um, No, but I, I'm with you there. But in the end, I mean, Maryland was favored. Um, Maryland was favored by five and a half, only one by three late, late cover there to, to screw up against the spread for, for some people. But, um, anyways, I don't know what we learned from this game, from each team. I still kind of look at Maryland. Well, I still kind of look at Maryland the same way now as I did. I think so. 36 too. hours yeah. ago, but 
what is Indiana going to look like the rest of the year with this new offensive personnel? It's going to be it's going to be curious to see. Would this wind up being a team that finds some offense and gets healthy on defense and plays spoiler to somebody? That's what's going to be curious with Indiana. That will be fun to watch. I'm going to tell you something else we learned. All those injuries at Maryland at the wide receiver position, and they got guys stepping up like crazy. Yeah. Wide receiver Carlos Carrier had a huge game. He was their leading receiver. Eight catches, 134 yards. Two touchdowns, yep. big long guy. Where yep. uh, Kim Jarrett had a good game. Marcus Fleming, he's yeah, really come he's on. on. Yeah. So they're showing some depth here at the wide receiver position, and I, I just want to make sure I pointed out those guys specifically because they all stepped up. One of we we we're not shy on pointing out Locke's deficiencies. But in this case, one of Locke's best things, recruiting, it's shown out here. It's shown out. Because they got depth at at least at that position. With the win, Maryland moves to five and three overall, two and three in the Big Ten. With the loss, Indiana drops to two and six. They have to win out to make a bowl. They are the only winless in Big Ten play football program in the Big Ten. Tough. Man. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and as always, hashtag ask for Amador. Next game up. Yikes. Minnesota 41. Northwestern 14. The Gophers with 442 yards of offense to the Wildcats 241. So the recipe is pretty simple to me for Minnesota on what PJ is doing right now. Um, They're going to come at you early with obviously that rushing attack. A timely passing attack that doesn't jump off but they hit a big play or two, sets them up again for another rushing dominant, you know, team or uh, result. They build up a lead in the game, and they just take that big old fat offensive line, and they just lean on you yeah. the rest of the game. And paired up with a very good defense, good, getting to very good yeah. defense. It's one of the two. It's either good or very good. Yeah. And teams just can't overcome it. This is, again, the most complete team in the Big Ten West. Rushing. It is. Throwing. uh, uh, Defense. Special teams. eh, Still a little scary. But when you are up that much, the special teams gets taken out a little bit. Especially when you're up early in the game. It's a pretty good looking Minnesota team. It's a pretty good looking team. This was domination from the the kickoff. Was domination. Don't look now. Minnesota is now six and two. As long as they're not playing a team from the state of Ohio, they're doing fine. They're undefeated <laughs> against teams yeah. not from Ohio, and it just continues to impress me. Their depth at the running back position because yeah. Bryce Williams goes How down. About that? Bryce, I mean, he got carted off. He got carted off. But I mean, so last week it was Kai Thomas. This week it's Marquise Irving. Both freshmen there. It's just. It doesn't matter. They just keep plugging guys in there. And by the way, love seeing Derek LeCaptain, uh, Burns, Ryan Burns on Twitter. People are like, we, we only have two scholarship running backs left. What are they going to do if there's another injury? He goes, well, I think they'll probably just take Derek LeCaptain from the linebacker position and put him at running back because he played running back in high school. 
That's then suddenly there he was. There's a guy. That, he, there's a guy deep into the program knows what's going on. And then he ran for a long touchdown, a 24 yard touchdown. Normally a linebacker. And then also, I think it's kind of impressive depth at the wide receiver yeah. position because they've they've had injury issues there too. But they've had injury issues. But Michael Brown Stevens is stepping up. Still one of the men with three names, as I like to call them. He he was the leading receiver again. I don't think anybody really had. Him at the beginning of the year being a guy that's and gonna... he didn't look impressive to me at the scrimmage at the beginning of the year, but, but he's boy, pretty he's damn good. Pretty good. He gets open, yeah, and he catches the football. And Tanner Morgan is dealing up a timely passing game. I mean, twelve of seventeen, one hundred thirty-four yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Okay, I'm not saying this was the greatest uh, uh, performance of Tanner Morgan's career, but he's not. It 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 doesn't. Uh, uh, worry Tanner Morgan too much to have to come up with timely third down, you yeah. know, plays in the in the throw game. He he can get you there. And like I said before earlier in the pod, uh, three carries, twenty nine yards. He had that eighteen yard touchdown that just I mean it just put it out of reach. I mean at I that always point. wondered, you know, because they they do that they do that that RPO where I know it's not a, a tan one of the options is not Tanner Morgan, right? but, but just a the, little bit of a threat. It just. Occasionally, I, mean, I, I my it, guess is pull it three times a game, uh, twice. That's it. Even twice. Okay. That's all you need. My guess is they understand that the strength of their team is go figure behind their offensive line and their running back. So they're probably telling Tanner like, you give this ball up unless you think that that thing is wide open. Yeah, it was wide. And it open was wide open on that eighteen yard so, touchdown run. A little more domination here. Minnesota was ten of fourteen on third downs. They controlled the ball for 40 minutes to Northwestern's 20 yeah. in this game. Yeah. Two to one. I I listened to, you know, Gopher Podcasts, um, the the Gopher Gridiron Radio podcast. Really like that. Um, obviously talked to a ton of Gopher fans. I do get a sense from Gopher fans that they get a little frustrated on how run-heavy the Gophers are. I've heard the stat like 15 times now yeah. that – they're, they're rushing the ball 70% of the time, which is equal to what like a service academy is, but it's working. I, I, I mean, what what else you want to do? I, I, they were they were up so big. Why would you do anything else but correct. just run the ball and burn clock? And that's what they're doing. On the other side, um, shout out to uh, Maple Grove Zone, Evan Hall. Yeah. Maple Grove, just, just northwest of the downstairs athletic I remember watching him in high school one time, by really? the way. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I remembered wow. it because I had forgotten he was from Maple Grove. And they said that. I'm like, oh, I remember watching a Maple Grove playoff game one time. And they're like, oh, this guy is going to Northwestern. I can rem- I remember really? that as they said it. Yeah. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Um, Evan Hole, 15 carries, 107 yards, no touchdown. So he had a – he's – Evan Hole. He's just – he had he's, another Evan Hole yeah, day. Doing I mean, Evan Hole I mean, here's the deal. I think Evan Hole's a good running back. That's he what is. I think. Um, but on the other side – so we had Andrew Marty now. It was the Andrew Marty after Ryan Holinsky was looked awful. In, ineffective. And I was starting to gain confidence in Holinsky. I felt like he was the answer. I feel like he was moving the ball through the air better than we, what we had seen from Northwestern. But Marty did provide a spark. When he, he came in there, it looked like a different team. They instantly looked more effective on offense. And. They instantly looked more effective on offense. And here's the stats. 10 of 16 for 93 yards. I'm just saying not a lot of yards. Two touchdowns, no, no picks. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's a 
It's an offensively challenged Northwestern team. And without the typical defense that we're used to. You, you can run the ball at Northwestern. You can we'll do a see, lot of things. We'll see next week. You can um, do a lot but, of things on Northwestern. And like I said, the Fitzmagic is not dead, but it's in hibernation right now. Yeah, it's it's getting challenged. There's no doubt about it. I would say once you're you know eight games into the season like this, um, expecting I don't want to say that out loud. I don't want to put that in the universe. Cut hibernating. Thank you for not that's, saying that's, that. That's that's the best way to put it. I mean, the one thing you can rely on is Bergen, Gallagher, and McIntyre. They're going to get a lot of tackles. Oh my gosh! It's but a- they're just not they're not getting a lot of tackles by the line of scrimmage. No, they're not. Um, they're they're a they're, little bit more downfield than what you wanted it to be. If there's anything you can count on with Northwestern is there's going to be an Irishman back there yeah. making a lot of tackles. Yeah. Just so still still there but not as feisty of an Irishman no, that it's yeah. been in the past. Maybe he's, hasn't had as much Amador whiskey as <laughs> in the past. Ooh, I, I, an Irishman probably wouldn't be drinking bourbon. He'd, he'd probably be drinking straight whiskey, I would think. Good point. Irish he'd be whiskey. drinking Irish whiskey. The number one selling whiskey in the world is Jameson. The number one mm. selling whiskey in Ireland is Powers whiskey. Is Powers number one, actually? Number, number one. Huh. With the loss, Northwestern falls to three and five and one and four in the Big Ten. With the win, Minnesota moves to six and two. Overall, four and one. They are sole possession of first place in the Big Ten West. I don't mean to bring this up because I know Gopher fans are sick of hearing about it, but there's a lesson here for all Big Ten fans, all college football fans in general. On September 25th, there was no lower fan base in the Big Ten than the Minnesota Golden Gopher fan base. Yeah. Look at them now. Winning is the ultimate deodorant. Well, and, you know, those non-conference games, people usually get too worked up over them, right? Yep. Because it doesn't matter, really, what your non-conference record I would say 30-point favorite losses, it's going to matter. But it's going to piss you, you off. You would not trade that loss to lose to right. any one of the Big Ten conference games Correct. that you play. So I'm with you there. Next game up. Here we go. Another... Another pain, more pain. Purdue, 28. Nebraska, 23. The Boilermakers with 349 yards of total offense to the Huskers, 399. Okay, let's start Purdue first because that's the right thing to do. They won the game. I'm sorry, but the morbid curiosity continues, though, with Nebraska, so we'll save Nebraska for a second. Is that cool? Yeah, okay. Okay. Aiden O'Connell, 34 of 45 233 yards, two touchdowns, no pick. When when the Purdue offense is clicking, it is extremely accurate, right? I mean, it, it just feels like they are completing a pass every other play. That's just what it feels like, or for more than that, I guess. That's what we saw out of Aiden O'Connell. When that dude gets comfy, he doesn't just complete balls. They're right where they need to be. That's the Aiden O'Connell we got David Bell, of course, nine catches, 74 yards. But here was what was crazy. 46, 41, excuse me, rushing attempts for Purdue. A great average, no, 2.8 yard average for 116 yards total. But King Daru, 17 carries, 74 yards. I know it wasn't necessarily shoving the ball down. But it's enough to take a little of the pressure out of the passing game. And they only said that like 12 times on the TV broadcast that that was Jeff Brom. He, he, he self, you know, uh, you know scouted himself. You know what I find? I don't listen to them. Really? I don't listen to the announcers. 
Because people that's a, get that's a superpower. People get worked up. They get so worked up over announcers. I don't even notice. Interesting. I get worked up over announcers. Um, I wasn't getting worked up here because neither one of these are my quote unquote team. But um, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Yeah, I've been going a little more with just feel this year. Yeah, like I just have a better feel from this team, and I have a less feel. The, the, what I said on the preview. I mean, it played out. I just have more confidence in Purdue as a program right now than I have in Northwest. Or yeah, and, uh, North, uh, sorry, Nebraska. Nebraska. And you, yeah. the NU, and as you. a program. I just have more um, confidence. So I just, I was like, throw the stats out. I just feel better about Purdue. That is part of it. I mean, when you, you know, to pat us both on the back here, when you watch as much Big Ten football as we do, I mean, we are committed to, to the craft. You do get a feel, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that feel. The feel I had was, I, I'm just... Still not sure what to think about both of these teams, so just take the points. Now, I took Nebraska to win. I'm more of an ATS guy. So that that played out. I mean, Purdue plus the 7.5 was the play. Um, anyways, Purdue in general, they looked like the mostly the Purdue we've seen. I mean, yeah. I, I'll say like this. this. I don't know if this will play with Purdue fans, but I, I, I hope to get some feedback here. They looked like the the Purdue team that played uh, uh, Notre Dame to a certain like, but they just didn't pull out the win because Notre Dame's a better football team. But sure, this team right here, this Purdue team that we saw on Saturday, they beat Iowa. They would beat a lot of teams in the country. Like I, I think they would beat. 70, 75% of the teams in the country well, playing like they did yeah. on, on Saturday. You, you blink. Purdue's 5-3. and three. They're 5-3. and three. That's not too bad. And right. by the way, I want to mention a couple guys. Xander Horvath, we should point out that he came back from injury. I didn't see him coming back this year. I thought for yeah. sure he'd not play another down. He had a touchdown. I also want to point out Jalen Graham. I mean, this guy, I think we need, as, per, as Big Ten fans, not just Purdue fans, we need to be talking more about Jalen Graham. Yeah. With a big, he had two picks. The big pick six, that's a rangy, athletic dude. I mean, obviously, the improved Purdue defense, the defensive coordinators are a big part of that, but they're not the whole thing. You need players to execute the defense, and they've had a couple guys step up this year. I mean, obviously, we know George Karloftis. He was pretty – He, we, you noticed him in this game as well. Um, and why did you notice him and Purdue having success – because you're flipping it around to the other side. Here's a crazy stat. You ready for this one? I don't know if yep. you saw this on Twitter. So the Huskers, 399 yards of total offense. Pretty okay? good. Here's Pretty a good. deep dig from Sean, Sean Callahan. 279 mm, of I, their 399 yeah. yards of offense came on first down. It doesn't That's make 70% of their offense. When you have that much success, how... What are they doing on second and third downs? And, like, and, and I got that from Bug Eater. Uh, Captain Bug Eater on Twitter, he he tweeted me that. I read it and I said that's impossible. Doesn't even and seem he tweeted, right. And he DM back, well there it is. <laughs> it's right there. I mean, seventy percent of their offense on first down, a hundred and twenty yards total on second, third, and fourth down. That, after that, it seems impossible. It is another enigma wrapped in a riddle. That's what they are. They're an enigma wrapped in a riddle, and you know it's always some aspect of the game where they break down. And of course the big ones, turnovers, penalties, special teams have, have haunted them in the Scott Frost era. And this week it was turnovers. It was definitely turnovers. Um, Adrian Martinez. I, again, I, you know, sometimes you're just going to read the stat lines of the players, but 14 of 29, 269 yards. So less than a 50% average, two touchdowns. That's nice, right? Four interceptions 
and a lost fumble. That's Well, no, five. he didn't lose the fumble. He fumbled, but he didn't lose it. Okay. Well, it's being pretty loose with the football. Yes. With that being said, 10 carries for only 18 yards. Me thinks that the blood is in the water right now that Adrian Martinez does not have a healthy ankle, and I think that hmm. defensive coordinators are sure. feasting on that. Um, he did run 10 times, though. Yep, 10 attempts. Uh, but uh, only 18 yards. Right. Typically, 10 attempts from Adrian Martinez makes 56 yards total of, of rushing. Uh, Yant, the true freshman, walk-on. He looked good. At, I mean, six carries, 60 yards. Like, he provides a pop in the rushing attack. But it's just that, to me, is another thing. It's like Northwestern quarterbacks with uh, Nebraska running backs. It's like, oh, like, spin the wheel. Yant, this – I don't know. It, it's And I know injuries have played into that. But, he, but at six carries – a big bruiser like that, that's he needs more carries to get a lather up and going. I yeah. just did I I know that game plans can start to go awry when you get behind, but keeping the ball in Yant's hand when he was running that well, 10 yard average, seems like that what would make sense to me. Omar Manning showed out yeah. four catches, 75 He's yards really and a touchdown. Out. But he was gimpy again. Like I I I I I feel like every time the ball goes to him. Something exciting is going to happen and that he's going to drop a pass, make an exceptional pass, get up and signal first down, or get up and he's gimpy. It's always drama with him. I don't know what to say. Back to the enigma. Uh, you know, obviously a big part of this loss for Nebraska was the turnovers. So you can't take those away. But when you watch him, you're like, I don't know. They, they look pretty good defensively. They look pretty good offensively. Not, not special teams. But it's just so weird that they can't win more games. They and don't seem like as bad as their record. We have been literally saying that for all this entire year, this year, and for big chunks of last year too, yeah. weren't we? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like the yards per play, yards per play, yards per play. Yeah, they're very high up. They're Absolutely. always in like the top twenty-five, if not top fifteen, right. in the country for yard yards per play difference. It's just not equating. So now. We've said this before. We'll probably spend more time in this in the off season, but I mean, to, to give it a Halloween thing, the the monsters and the wolves are out for Scott Frost right now. Um, even Stephen Sipple is is pointing out that fan base is pretty chippy on the and, on the twitters right now. Do, don't they have the right? Of to course, be? Like, yeah. I mean, this is not so, what you expected in year four. So you know, tell me to shut up on Twitter if need be, but I would like to hear feedback from Nebraska fans. Cause this is my thought as a person that's on the outside looking in, but still knows quite a bit about the football program. Like you 100% have the right to be upset. You are not a quote unquote bad fan to me. If you're upset with Scott Frost, like wanting Scott Frost to, to succeed every single Nebraska fan, wanted Scott Frost yeah. to succeed. If you now are to the point where I don't think this is working and you're frustrated, what are you supposed to just not believe your eyeballs? Right. And look, deep into year four, it's okay to be frustrated. These are his players. These are his players. If it was year two, I would say you're 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 getting you're jumping the gun a little here. Year three, eh, okay, we should be you know year this, four. Year four. This is year four. This is all on Scott Frost at this point. This is nine games into year four. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much year four. Uh, so saw a stat. So he he has at best a five hundred winning percentage 
against any Big Ten West team. So he is either 500 or lower or lower yeah. against every single. So he had a chance to go two and two here. I was wrong, by the way. I thought uh, Scott Frost had Jeff Brom. It's the opposite. opposite. Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom is, is yeah. now three and one. Three and one, yeah. Versus Scott Frost, he's Ofer versus Wisconsin. Ofer versus and Iowa. Think about the one that he... one in one in I one in three, one three versus, versus Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, two and two versus uh, Northwestern. Two and two and versus, two versus Illinois. Illinois. He likes so, so he is going to finish. His fourth year at Nebraska with a 500 or less winning percentage against, against the entire uh, Big Ten West. Not great, Bob. That's so. So you see that stat as an as a Nebraska fan, and you're you don't have the right to to not be frustrated. No, you do. Now I'm not saying you stop going to the games, but it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of the yeah. podcast. If a guy, a, a person's like. I have a, I have actually something important to do with my family. At, this is the point where you're like, I'm going to choose that right. over going to watch the product, and I, mean, I don't it, think that makes you an awful person or, or or awful fan. Like, you start getting prioritized here. You go to a restaurant, the food's not very good. You go back, it's still not very good. You go back three, four times. At some point, you just stop going there. If if you go back a fourth time to a bad restaurant, it's just your fault that yeah. you're eating the bad food. Right at that point now. Maybe not, maybe not perfect, but that was pretty fun. You know, that's pretty fun. Um, but again, like th- this is kind of my theme here. You know, like fans matter. Don't be a douche about it. You know, tweeting at a coach or especially not, a player. That's try not to call the players. That's that's that's. But anyways, long story short, I it's crazy because like I hear the buyout. I mean, it's a twenty million dollar buyout. Some Nebraska fans yep. are like, "There is no way this is going to happen." They're building a hundred fifty million dollar facility. That right costs now. money. Um, I, I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you who I'm glad I, I'm not is the the brand new athletic director at Nebraska. He has he might have a tougher job than even Frost does at it, this point. It's a tough go right now. And then Frost got asked he said something along the lines of i didn't say anything to my team there's nothing i can say at this point to fix this it's just another uh, he's not good at being in front of the press he's really not less would be more for scotty when it comes to that and i've had some nebraska fans point that out too but yeah. but on the other side and again we can't go too deep because we'll talk about it more in the offseason but but yet if they get rid of if they if they fire Frost, then, then it's right back into what right back to where you other fan bases over. and I I will say Iowa and myself have definitely been one of them where we're like you you can't get rid of these coaches every four years but no. I don't know I don't even know where I, people ask I don't either I don't know where I stand I'm totally up in the air on if, what if to do if Nebraska had a completely different background if they had a coach that was there before Frost for 15 years or something like that then I'd say. You're, he's got to go for sure. But when you've changed coaches like diapers, but same thing with, I mean, I'm sorry, Nebraska fans, but it's the same thing with Illinois. They keep changing every four or five years coach. And, and so you never establish an identity. You never establish any moment momentum. At some point you just got to say, let's just ride this out. And I don't know, maybe that's where we're at. Maybe it's not. I don't know the answer. There's only one guy that can answer that. Yeah. And, and, he just came over from UNO into UNL to see if he can fix it. Um, but the other side is, name me a coach after year four that suddenly made it work in year five. I mean, I that's got to be a I think, pretty short list. I think Kevin Wilson did. Uh, the, who was the guy at Colorado mm. when they 
suddenly spiked up, but then okay. Colorado went right back down. It's interesting. I uh, can't remember that guy's name, but there's there are a couple. Okay. Short, it, it has, short list. Yeah, and then, you know, you never know what would have happened with Kevin Wilson because he there was weird circumstances yeah. where he left. Right. But the Colorado thing went right back into the crapper, so it was like a, a one-shot deal. A flash in the pan for one year at Colorado. With the win, Purdue moves to five and three overall, three and two in Big Ten play with the loss. Nebraska drops to three. I'll tell you one. Yeah. Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez. It took I, him that long. I think like fifth year is when he finally Are you really? I think I so. It was closer to three. Bean okay. counters. Tell Check me I'm wrong. Out. With the loss, Nebraska drops to three and six overall, one and five in the Big Ten. They are last in the Big Ten West. They have got to win out. To be bull eligible versus and by Ohio way, State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Correct. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. That's going to be a tough one. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. Ohio State, 33. Penn State, 24. The Buckeyes with 466 yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions, 394. Um, I could have gone two ways with this game. Yeah. I could have seen Ohio State blowout, but that's not the way I went. If you remember what I said, Penn State has too much talent. Penn State is too much pride. They're going to hang in there. That's why I picked Penn State to cover, and they did cover. My big question, is Penn State good enough to muck it up a little bit? And there was a little muck there. There was definitely mucking. I mean, what they did well is Ohio State moved the ball, but then they bow up in the the red zone and force a field goal. They forced four field goals for Ohio State. That doesn't happen very often. They only gave up two offensive touchdowns. Because the one was the the fumble six. Yep, we had a big guy touchdown here. Penn State played a pretty good game, still lost by two scores. Long story short, this is what an Ohio State-Penn State game typically looks like. Yeah. But, again, a common theme throughout the podcast this year, the transitive property doesn't just not travel. It doesn't even leave the house. I mean, this is the Penn State team that got absolutely run over. By Illinois last week. Yeah, so they then turned around and got beat by Rutgers. Like, are you saying that Illinois is not? They're they're more than seven points worse than Ohio State. Is that what you're saying here? <laughs> I'm saying these teams change from week to week. It's more than, than the mood of my three and five year old. It's unbelievable. I, I I and I I swear it's worse than it's ever been. I think yeah. Well yeah. I mean we said this is going to be a crazy year. It is worse than it's ever been. But but you would think with having so many. Senior dudes, good point. that it, we'd see less, less of it. it. I can't figure it out. I can't figure um, it out either. We'll start with Penn State. Sean Clifford looked healthier to me. Um, oh, I, he looked he healthy, looked, I would think. I would say. Darn near healthy to the tune of 35 attempts, or excuse me, 52 attempts, 35 completions, 361 yards of passing, uh, one they certainly Touchdown, have game one plan pick. Here. Jahan Dotson did Jahan Dotson things. Eleven catches, one hundred twenty-seven yards. But he wasn't doing Jahan Dotson things. He, they were shutting him down early, a little and bit. He came, he came on. And, but I tell you what, that mid-range passing attack for Penn State, it's excellent. They find the Parker holes. Washington was the guy that was doing it early. Nine on. catches, one hundred eight yards. He had a great game. Finding him over the middle of the field is that's like their their offensive that's their bread and butter right there. That's what they they. I mean, him and um, offensive coordinator. They have gotten. A, Yersich. Yep, Yursich uh, and Clifford have gotten a a thing going there where they both feel comfortable with that, and they better. Why? Because Penn State's rushing attack. Boy, twenty nine carries, thirty three yards, a one point one yard average. This is an Ohio State front seven that has definitely improved. 
but gave up all kinds of yards to Oregon and a couple other teams sure. on their schedule as well. Minnesota being one of them. I mean, I mean I, I, Penn State isn't just struggling rushing the ball. It's it's non-existent. I mean, that's why they're throwing 52 times. I think they have to. Had to. You, th- I mean, their it's, offense. It's embarrassing. And by the way, I mean, they didn't run the ball versus Iowa. They didn't run the ball versus Illinois. Illinois. Quite honestly, they were their best opponent, biggest opponent that they ran the ball the best against was Auburn. Yeah, that was, that was their best rushing attack. You I'm know, not, as far as I'm not really sure what what's, it seems like every every game they have a different kind of bell cow that they want to use. For some reason, it was John Lovett this week. 13 carries, only 20 yards, but then Noah Kane only got five carries. Kevon Lee only got three carries. It looked like for a while there, Lee was their guy. Other times it looks like Kane is the guy. It's just like, I don't know if they're just throwing guys out there to see if something works, but nothing is working in their running game. The O-line is doing fine in pass pro, but opening up holes, uh, whether it's a play calling thing, a talent thing, I do not know, but it's looking pretty purdue as far as their style of offense right now it's for Penn State. Don'ty. It's per donty right now. Switching over to that other team. I don't know if you've ever heard of these guys. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes um, quote-unquote struggled a bit on offense. Still had 466 yards of total offense. C.J. Stroud, 22 of 34, 305 yards, a touchdown, no picks. The wide receivers again, like – Every time I do their stat sheet, I'm, I'm like, okay, who popped off the page? They don't have a receiver that that typically, I mean, it was a lave at the beginning of the year, but they are just doing such a great job of, spreading, of it spreading it out to everybody. I mean, JSN was the top guy this week, six catches, 97 yards, um, and then Travion Henderson. It didn't happen right away. Penn State's front seven was doing a lot of good stuff, confusing uh, Ohio State's offensive line, getting into the backfield. But in the end, Travion Henderson, just at some point, he yeah. makes that first guy miss, and he has always got his eyes downfield. Boom, and he's 88 and out the gate. 28 carries, 152 yards and a touchdown. Travion Henderson is he is elite, man. I mean, he's only a true freshman. I always get nervous leaning on a true freshman this much, but the but dude have is to. I a mean, baller. Absolute baller. You're not going to keep him down for the whole game. I mean, he broke that huge run, which big part of that 152 yard, 68 yard run there. Um, I don't know what else to say other than he's maybe the most talented running back in the in the country. Boy, we got a cup. We got a guy that we're going to break down I know, here in this next I know, game. That that. But I'm would, talking purely from a talent standpoint. I would say uh, potential. Probably, yeah, because he's, he's in the dude, conversation. Dude, he's, he's, he hasn't even had a off-season college lifting program, Imagine conditioning what he's going to look like next year. <laughs> that should scare the hell out of you. Um, so I want I don't know if we will pick up any Ohio State listeners this week. I hope we do. Uh, back to the prediction thing that I put out there that I got absolutely lambasted for, mostly from Ohio State fans because I had the audacity to pick Ohio State finishing 8-1 and one in the Big Ten right. and 10-2 overall. Um uh, but when people have asked me in DMs, cause it's impossible to have this conversation, uh, on Twitter. And I actually got invited into one of those Twitter snap or Twitter. Yeah. They're, they're hit or miss. Okay. Yeah. But, but they basically are like, man, Greek, what the bleep? Why do you think this could happen? Right. Here's what I, I said. I go, I've always been a little bit nervous having a young quarterback and a young freshman being essentially the the two catalysts of your offense. Sure. These younger players get confused at some point with something they haven't seen or they break down. So I'm talking about the rest of the season. The other part of it is 
there are times where I think we're glancing over this Ohio State defense and we think it's just quote-unquote fixed after games that they had versus Rutgers, Indiana, and Maryland. Did we not see a little bit of the holes in the defense this week versus a Penn State offense that hasn't looked incredible? Well, you know, the the I mean, here's the thing that concerns me if I'm an Ohio State fan right now. Penn State was 11-16 on third down. It's a big number. It's, it's a, a high huge number. number. It's a high percentage. Yeah, huge. So, um, I'm, I'm almost for sure going to be wrong. Ohio State is very high up. I mean, it's it's they're they're on very good percentage to win out in the Big Ten, but to win a game in the college football playoffs, I'm still going to need to see a little bit more from their defense. Oh, absolutely. a little bit more getting absolutely. behind the line of scrimmage and a little bit more out of their back seven. If they're unable to get to the quarterback, that yeah. that's where the, the glaring need is for this Ohio state team, this nearly perfect Ohio state. team. Yeah. But I will say we've seen them improve a lot over the season. So no I doubt. think they can improve more before the, before the postseason. I agree. And they're going to have a couple more challenges before the end of the year to right. get better. So I, as a Ohio state fan, you should be happy about that with the win. The Buckeyes move to seven and one overall five and oh, in the Big Ten, with the loss, Penn State falls to five and three overall, two and three in the Big Ten. All right, here we go. The Big Ten game of the week definitely lived up to the expectations and even exceeded them. The battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy: Michigan State thirty-seven, Michigan thirty-three. The Spartans with three hundred ninety-five yards of total offense to the Wolverines five hundred and fifty-two. So Michigan led this game. 30 to 14. I yes. mean, pretty late in the second half, deep into I mean, the I was, third I was kind of disappointed because I was expecting a good game. I was hoping for a good game. We eventually got not just a good game. We got a barn burner. I had called Michigan State not only for the cover, but for the win. So I was kind of, not that I'm cheering against you, Michigan right. fans, but I was kind of bummed that it wasn't turned out the way that I was that I predicted. But you just, the, the, the fighting Mel Tuckers, they, they, there is a, there's a thing going on with this team. I need to apologize to Michigan State fans. Not oh, that I, too. not that I besmirched this team, but I was just putting them third in the pecking order in the mighty Big Ten East. You can do that no more. No, uh, th- this is a team with talent, and some of it got injured, which is sad to see. But it's a team with talent, and even more than that, grit and heart. They just keep fighting when you're down. You know, by by 16 points late in the game. So, I, I mean, they just kept coming at them. Teams take on the personality of their coach, right? And Mel Tucker is one cool cucumber. They never panicked when they were they down really did not. 16 points. They really did not. Um, wasn't a great day for Peyton Thorne. 19 to 30, yeah, 196 yards. It wasn't statistically, but he made a He's few a big plays. He's a baller. When he needed to. When their backs were against the wall, he made a couple big plays. And the person that came up with... The biggest baller plays of the day is obviously Kenneth Walker, 23 carries, 197 yards, five touchdowns. That is the most touchdowns on the ground ever scored against the historic Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, he, he yet again, Red Grange got passed one more time. One more this time. Year. Okay. Yeah, so Red Grange had four I in mean, 1924. He, Kenneth Walker was having a nice game, you know? It yeah. was good. He was good. 
and but then like, he took over. And then he just exploded. And and it was on runs that, by and large, to me, if you could have paused the game film, like if you looked at the All-22, which I guarantee Michigan defenders are going to get beamed in their skulls all day today or tomorrow, you looked if you looked at those runs, it looks like eh, three-yard gain, eh, five-yard gain. Let's get on to second down. And he just, he's, he's got the vision. He's got the leg drive. And he's got he's, some quicks to his feet. Well, too. obviously, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't be. No, but I think people like to put him just like in the in more of a power back type of thing. Really? But he's I think so. Okay. He's shifty. He he's he's a complete. And he's got back. and he's got speed too. There it is. His like his Madden rating, I'm not sure would be over like 92 in anything, but it would be 91 in almost everything. Like that's. That's who he is. That's good. I like that. Um, here's one thing I did not like. It actually worked out well for him, but I hate when teams are chasing that two-point conversion. Yeah, I don't like that. It's so stupid. Always it, do it too early. It's like you're chasing a ghost that you can never catch. They always do it too early. It worked out for him, but then here's the weird thing. They didn't need those points no. eventually. No. I, like I it, mean, just go for just go for the one-point conversion until you have to. I, I, but, but that's about the only yeah. criticism I really have. Another unfortunate thing for Michigan State, Jalen Naylor was hurt in this game. He mm. was seen with a cast on his hand. It looks like a broken hand. That is a big oh, loss. Man. And then defensive lineman Jacob Panashuk. We don't know if that's the correct way to say his name either. Everybody's screwing it up on TV or we're saying it correct and we're just stubborn. I don't know. But Panashuk, they're Panashuk. saying. Panashuk, I don't but, know. But they weren't saying Panashuk last year. No, they were the saying Panashuk, weren't they? Panashuk. I don't know. Maybe he corrected them. I don't know. Maybe but standing he got, room Spartans needs to let us know. Let us know yeah. what the proper phonetically say it and send it to us. Yeah. Um, he got hurt in this game as well. That's that, too bad. That is. Um, I mean, there is a feast or famineness to this defense. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so is. and that's where my skittishness of Michigan State has has been is is the feast or famine style. I mean, look, you can throw on this defense, and if they if it was ever proven, it was this game because it's not a throwing Michigan team. Cade McNamara had his best game as a Wolverine. In his entire career, 28 of 44, 383 yards, two touchdowns, and one late pick when he was trying to force the issue, getting Correct. down the field to try to get the touchdown. J.J. Uh, McCarthy was in there, three of four, 23 yards, okay. uh, one touchdown, but big fumble big in fumble. the game. And look, we all want to see what this offense looks like with J.J. McCarthy. I just think it's odd they chose th- that time to to I, try to figure that out. I, Cade McNamara was playing lights out, I know. and they pull him. And put McCarthy in there, and McCarthy turns the ball over because that's what you know, but, freshmen but, do. Before that, I felt like they were doing a good mix of of McCarthy and and or, uh, mostly I, McNamara and McCarthy. Like it was working good until it didn't. But I just th- I I thought McNamara had the hot hand. I just don't know why he pulled him out. This is the time he chose to pull him out of the game. Yeah, that seemed um, weird to me. Speaking of fumbles, um, questionable call uh, a couple, when Peyton Thorn went like. Here's what I would say is I I do not know what the correct call was when Peyton Thorne had that fumble, okay, that would have been a scoop and score. Yep. I know this. In the year 1995, that would have been ruled a fumble and never looked at because we didn't have the ability to review. It just live play, it looked like. It looked like a fumble. Sure. When I looked at it for the replay, it was close. I mean, I'll definitely say that. Yeah, I just – I don't um, like replay. I know. Just just keep the game going. Let's let – I mean – the amount of time you give up Ugh. looking at stuff to just to know. be wrong a lot of the right. time still. And, and and I would say, let's say your knee was kind of down and you were fumbling the ball, but if you never fumbled the ball in the first place, and it's not a fumble. Right. Like hold on to the ball. But uh Haskins and Corum, the dynamic duo, 
mostly held in check here. Yeah. 27 carries, 104 yards, uh, 3.8 yard uh, average. Like that's put- well under what they've been this year. Basically, Michigan State was selling out to stop the yeah, run. That's what they do. And put the game on Cade McNamara. I do want to give another shout out to Cade McNamara. I feel like that guy gets absolutely roasted. He gets roasted by Michigan State fans. He gets Dude, roasted by Ohio State. He gets roasted by Michigan fans. Like they he make keeps him getting better. I I I don't think Cade McNamara is a Sunday quarterback and is no. I don't think he is the greatest quarterback that could be in this offense. With that being said, he's a pretty good quarterback for this offense. I don't know. I just feel like he gets right. crapped on too much. So but. we we talked about the running backs kind of being held in check. You know who was not held in check? This guy named Andrell Anthony. Yeah. That first touchdown he scored, I'm like, never heard of the guy. From East Lansing. From East Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. And on the day, he had six catches for 155 yards. Got himself another touchdown, touchdown, two touchdowns on the day. I'm gonna. I got a nickname for this guy already. Yeah, Andrell Anthony Carter. Okay, don't you remember Anthony I, I, Carter? War number one. Yeah, yeah. Andrell like Anthony it. Carter. Andrell that's, Anthony Carter. That's his name. That rolls. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's talent in the Michigan wide receiver room. There like, absolutely is. Like I didn't think there was a lot preseason, I, but now I, I see think that there this is. is a better passing offense than what. Again, it's not. It's not up to Ohio State's level, obviously, but there is talent that's there. They they leaned on him, but. In the end, if you want some stats that are haunting, here's some stats for khaki pants. He is now two and thirteen versus top ten teams. Yeah, fifty four and ten versus everybody else. Wow, three and nine versus Ohio State and Michigan State, whereas he's thirty five and eight versus the rest of the Big Ten. I mean, on his Michigan tombstone, it would be. Just can't beat, can't win the big ones. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. It's um, crazy. I mean, it's like that's why it's so hard if you do coaches' rankings because like yeah. he ain't a bad coach, you know. No, definitely not. He's not normal. He's quirky, but he's doing everything right except for in these big games. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's crazy. He just can't elevate. He can't elevate the program to the next step. So I mentioned this was a barn burner. It was more than a barn burner. It was a car burner. It was a couch burner. <laughs> you, you it burned all it. kinds of stuff. Dude. Okay. Okay, real quick. With the win, uh, or with the loss, Michigan falls to 7-1, and 4-1 and one in the Big Ten. With the win, Michigan State moves to 8-0, 5-0. But Michigan State fans, man, them bitches be crazy. They, I mean, it's... They crazy. It doesn't happen really anywhere else in the Big Ten. I mean, we, we have... Sometimes fans boo their own players, you know, or coaches or whatever, and they get not often that you win a game and you rip You're right. shit up around your own town. And I mean, every time I open up Twitter, I'm like, holy, I was like afraid to click on Michigan State Twitter That's at some strange. point. I don't know what the... Th- that one time, there was two college kids sitting on a couch that was on fire. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that that has to be special effects or something then you think about them, like who has the time right to put no they they were literally sitting on a couch that was actively <laughs> incinerating i mean there's some psychology to this and, and then another this... thing if, if if you're going to flip a car over and start destroying it it's halloween at least put your mask on right so that people like there was some there was four or five kids beating the hell out of this car i'm like <laughs> I, I can see you plain as day you're gonna get spotted and thrown in jail i know i'm an old man now looking back but i just want to say i have never sat on a couch that was on fire and i've never flipped a car car over in my entire life 
What was that one guy doing trying to get him from stopping kicking the car? Because, I mean, the car was already destroyed. It's not like you're salvaging this thing. What but at least was- he's giving it an effort. But what is, I don't know. I'm not sure what he was trying to accomplish there. Like, I think we, some of these will just buff right out. Some of these scratches here. <laughs> That's I mean, nuts. The, the windshield was caved in and he's trying to stop yeah. people from attacking the but car. But he's like, just trying to it's stop. It's too them. late. Yeah, buddy. It's, it's, a, it's a total loss. But I at least give him credit for trying to stop the carnage. So I guess my I question guess. is, what would happen if they lost this game? Well, they don't seem to do that when they lose. It only seems to be a celebratory thing. Interesting. I, don't you think? I mean, I'm going back to like, you know, some of the big basketball wins they've had where they just, yeah, they write, yeah. oh, we just won the national championship. Let's riot. I checked on our boy Dougie today. What I want to make say? sure he was alive. I just, I, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure he was alive more than anything. Um, okay. Weekly Eisman. Yeah. It's not like there's a big voting system we have here. Um, I mean, if at one point, if Michigan was going to win the game, sure. I think Cade McNamara or Andrew Anthony would have been up there yep. for the player of the game. Um, uh, um, Tulia Tonga Viola. I mean, he had a sure. he had a, a big game, but, but in not, the end, not I mean, a but it's not a big, a big game. game, but a, yeah. he had a big performance. he had a big game and a not he had big, big game. performance and a not big game. But the person that had a big performance in a big game, I mean, it's a no brainer. The weekly Eisman this week, Kenneth Walker. 23 carries, 197 yards, five touchdowns. I think he had 208 yards of total offense and five touchdowns. Kenny he, Skywalker. He was he was the man. There was no doubt about it. This Do you week. know where I get the Skywalker thing from? As uh, NBA player, wasn't it? Yes, he was. Yeah. He played for the Knicks. Yeah, he it was known as a dunker. I can't figure out a good nickname for Kenneth Walker because like Sky denotes. Like yeah, it'd be like a, a good name for a quarterback or maybe a wide receiver def- that goes up I mean, up Skywalker is phenomenal for a basketball player. That means you're playing above the rim. Quarterback, wide receiver. Yeah. just doesn't work for a running back. But then no, you got the still- last name Walker, you know, which you could play into like that he's a running back. But you you run as a running back. Now, I can't figure it out. There's something in there. but Still I'm not Kenny Skywalker. Not, not He'll always be Kenny Skywalker. You can me. do You can do that, that's your, that's your I will right do there. that. Um, and then last thing that I'm going to say is this added to my absolute grumpiness, but I'm sure it was on bad beats. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to, to, to watch, to it. watch it. Yeah. Just bored frustration out of the Iowa, Wisconsin game. I, I threw in a nice little, little play for Clemson, Florida state, mm. the under mm. 48 in this game. Did mm-hmm. you see how that walked out or, or wound up? Yeah. It was Oh, it was on the last play of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So it was seventeen to thirteen deep okay. in the fourth quarter. Yep. And then a scoop and score makes it twenty to seventeen. So that's thirty seven points uh-huh. right there. And I'm like, I've still got ten points here. You know, ten, eleven points to be specific. Yeah. Um Clemson goes down the field and scores a, a touchdown to get a, a a four point lead. It's okay. Still, Still got, yeah, yeah. you know, even taking a safety was a cover. Sure. And they, there was a reviewed play to keep the game alive oh, no. that went their way, that went FSU's way. And then I'm like, they're just going to throw it down the field. They're, Cause it was like, they were like midfield and they do the, the oopsie daisy, whatever you want to call it. It was the laterals, right? Correct. They're just laterals. I would say four laterals on the fourth lateral. Picked off by a Clemson player. He almost was down. They reviewed it to see oh, no. if he was down. He scored. It not only went over, it then turned into be a Clemson cover because oh, Florida no. State was an 11-point dog. 
that is the shittiest beat of my life. It it wow. My mood was already sour. I started I put f bombs out in my Hawkeye Twitter or Hawkeye uh, text message group. Sorry guys, mostly my brothers, but still get over it. Um, but I mean, I just I was so. Can I? I'm gonna. Can you bleep one out? Yeah. I was so f- pissed on Saturday night. It was yesterday sucked. Yesterday it was just a shitty day. It was one of those days that you do sit there and you're like, do I care a little too much about this sport? Sure. You you, you take a little self-inventory with that. Yeah. You got to reevaluate every now and then. I do feel better after talking that out. I appreciate it, man. Good. My worst beat, I can remember someone was saying, so what's the spread? And I was like, "Uh, it's going to be fine. There's only one thing that could ever happen. You can't say that aloud. I said it. There's only one thing that happened. The chances of that are basically zero. And then that exact thing happened. Yeah. I mean, I would say. On a meaningless play. Right. It's always meaningless. When when it was 17 to 13, my, I think it was like five minutes in the game, six or seven. I mean, you're at 30 points total right there. Right. That's 18 points you have to get to. You turn that, you know, game off if you had the over. You're like, that's done. Right. I, I bet my win probability was like 99.8% yeah. at that point. It was probably still in the 90s before the last play of the game. But, all right, I guess. We're not... I'm not laying on a couch, but it felt good to, to talk that out. All right. Good. Long podcast. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kirk. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.